I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris. On today's Billie Jean King Cup special sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. France sizzle to secure finals spot. Kim quizzes Garcia on career renaissance. And we sit down with Barnett and Nichols for an exclusive. Kim, Chris, today is the 15th of April and we are here to catch up on day two from the Billie Jean King Cup finals qualifier great britain versus france and yeah i mean that was a bit of a mouthful but listeners we are back second day running and again we are not at virtual tennis weekly headquarters we are in our nice apartment in coventry and actually for the first time we can actually understand why it is called cathedral view i do have to issue a little bit of an apology because there, I can see it from where I'm sitting. I can see two spires. They're definitely not anywhere near us. Um, I would not say that we are a cathedral adjacent. We are canal adjacent. Mm. So I, if I were to market our flat, I would say it's a riverside penthouse. If I'd have known you'd be so fussy about the distance from the <laughs> cathedral spires, I would have suggested you booked it yourself, Chris. Um, but no, we are... We have two views. We have a canal view. We have a cathedral mm. view. I've just had to close the curtain because the sun was in my eyes. So it's stunning afternoon in Coventry. We've had some stunning tennis at the arena as well. I'm almost sad it is stunning outside because it does mean that we are recording slightly earlier than yesterday because unfortunately the tie did finish sadly prematurely for most British fans. It did. Uh, so we were always going to be up against, you know, a tough ask today, having gone down 2-0 from Friday's action. Uh, and it was actually Garcia against Dart as the first match of the day. So it was all on Harriet Dart to keep Britain's hopes alive in the tie. Um, we mistakenly assumed it might have been the doubles first. Um, and maybe... I don't feel like we were alone, though. No, I think um, because that's what they do at Davis Cup. I think, you know, we thought it was going to be the same sort of format. So apologies, listeners, for any um, mistakes there. But I mean, begs the question, should they have made the doubles a third tie? Would would that have been better for Britain? Well, I think it would be better for the tennis generally. I think people like to see a bit of a mix. There's a reason why if the final rubbers are dead that you play the doubles, because that is a different sort of thing for people to see and a different spectacle. Uh, at the Davis Cup, uh, when, we went, when we went to that earlier in the year, uh, the doubles is the first thing that gets played on the Saturday. And I think that really does kind of, uh, if you have great singles players, you might not um, have great doubles players. It's a bit of a leveller. It's very exciting. The format is obviously deciding point. And I feel like it's something that you don't want it to be an afterthought because I think that doubles is something that um, is growing in profile. And it is something where you might get to see some of the best singles players play because I'd have loved to see Garcia on a doubles court. 
Yeah, it would have been great. You would have probably expected, yeah, to see Garcia and, and Madenovic, but uh, I've got to echo the same points. I don't really understand why the doubles wasn't the the live rubber. I think it would have made a more compelling spectacle. And personally, I think if you think about the, the competition, I don't want to feel like this competition is just based on singles players and singles results alone. Um, I think it's got to show the most of um, the best of a team and therefore it can't just necessarily focus on one aspect of tennis. It's got to focus on multiple aspects. So that's why for me, I was a little bit disappointed we didn't get the doubles as that third rubber. Yeah, same. I think it would have been a, r- a really lively encounter and, and which we we got in the doubles match regardless, even though it was a dead, dead rubber. But let's look at what we did have as the first match of the day instead, which did you know, get dramatic at times. Uh, went to three sets, Caroline Garcia against Harriet Dart. The second set going to a tie break, Dart clinching it, saving match points to do so to take the match into a third. Um, I was surprised, I'm not going to lie, that that went to a third, particularly after that first set where I was like, this could be over very, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, Chris, tell us what happened in that first set. You know, it was very quick, wasn't it, for Garcia racing through that one. Did you feel optimistic about Dart's chances <laughs> after that first set? Well, I, I had been checking the flight times for Garcia to get to Stuttgart. <laughs> yes. And by looking at it, I think she was in a rush because she started very aggressively. And in order to make that flight, I think she was hoping to get this done in two. And then... Did we decide on whether we think she was going to go from London or from the Midlands? She's absolutely going from Heathrow. Um, I've <laughs> checked it out. It, it's very expensive if you have a connecting flight to oh, Birmingham. Okay. So... Um, I'm sure that she can probably cover the cost of that and maybe she isn't comparing on Skyscanner. But Heathrow is where she's be flying from um, and she actually probably had to delay her flight because once again, we had another epic long set, mm. um, another tie, tie break. break. So yes. she played four tie breaks in her two singles matches, which was a bit mad. But I did not think that we would get that tie break, as you mm. said, after that first set because it was one-way traffic and it felt like Garcia had fully understood what she needed to do to get past Dart in terms of attack the second serve and she was serving well herself, be mm. proactive and it looked like it was kind of a foregone conclusion. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, watching that first set, it, it sort of told me, I think, you know, what my, my deepest fears were was that, you know, Katie Bolter, for example, her ball striking is fantastic and the you know the power and the aggression that she can bring to the court really did match Caroline Garcia for for long long periods on on day one, and in that first set to me Harriet Dart just was not able I feel to bring that ball striking quality that was going to make Caroline Garcia feel really uncomfortable, you know me myself and and Chris you know we saw uh, Dart against Rabakina. And for me, what was kind of a similar sort of matchup in in Glasgow at the end of last year, where, again, you just felt that Rybakina would have just kind of dealt with, you know, the the ability that, that kind of Dart possesses on the court. But I was impressed how much she bounced back in that second set. Yeah, and I think um, it was one which a bit different from the Garcia that we saw the previous day, because it did feel like her level did drop in that second set as well. Yeah. and I think that Dart did definitely start to serve better. I think she did take something off her first serve. So she made a few more of them. I bit, think she needed to, she right? She needed to. A li- little bit less pressure on the second serve because they <laughs> were kind of averaging around 60 miles yeah. an hour, which against Garcia, who's standing... She was just dropping them in. Oh, she was standing so far up the box as mm. well and moving forward. So um, I think it is a bad matchup. Uh, you can serve Dart off the court. That's definitely true. Um, and although she got that great win against Bedosa, I think it is a different level of firepower that we're dealing with with those two players. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting one because I think, yeah, the dart second serve definitely did come under the microscope. But it was quite interesting because Caroline Garcia's court position, she was so far in the baseline, there was nowhere she could only go. She had to go to the net. She wasn't exactly going to retreat back to the the baseline. And, and it really kind of, um, it, it did work for her at moments, but also there were quite a few fantastic passing shots from Harriet Dark because she just knew what was coming from uh, the Garcia end. Yeah, I remember seeing one point, I think it was in the tiebreak and Garcia was practically at the service line to, <laughs> to receive, which <laughs> just it was very entertaining. But um, yeah, that, that tiebreak, very dramatic. It kept going on and on. I actually missed the end of uh, the tiebreak break because I had to dash out to find somewhere quiet because uh, I had a little guest appearance on BBC Radio London. Um, but the, the live score app had died. I was no longer being able to watch the, the tie break. So I sort of went live on the radio and I didn't know what had happened in the tie break, which is um, slightly interesting. But yeah, we'll be putting a link on socials uh, if anyone wants to catch uh, a bit of that as well from the women's sports show on, on Radio London. I'll definitely be listening. I think it's something where... Um you're talking about more than just the action from the tennis. And I think um, you're also talking about the decision from the WTA to resume activity yeah. in China. So that's a very, tennis weekly making a very hot topic. And we'll be covering that properly on Monday's uh, standard catch-up show, won't we? Um, because there's a lot to unpack uh, from, from that announcement. Uh, but yes, yeah, so it all got very busy all of a sudden with the tie break, the, the radio. Then the match kind of finished fairly quickly after that the third set going one way after the tie break it did feel like that second set tie break was almost like Harriet Dart's last stand and I'm I'm, almost, I'm really impressed with how she fought and was able to take it to a third but I mean it, it feels frustrating I know we're talking about her, her second serve particularly but also it's so frustrating to see I feel like Harriet Dart from the baseline, I think she's got a fantastic double-handed backhand. You know, the number of winners she was hitting, particularly down the line, it's a fantastic weapon of hers. But it feels completely night and day between her double-handed backhand and her forehand. I think when you have a game like darts, the difficulty is, is that you have to be playing right at the top of your level and you have to be very mentally switched into going for it because quite often mm. she can be a little bit passive in some yeah. of those moments and she has Particularly to force against Corney. Yeah. Completely different matchup. It is a very different matchup. She was not going for the shots in the same way and I think with with the match today her forehand had a bit more on it at times. I think she obviously was out here in the first and the third sets but it is a very difficult mental decision to make whether you go for that second serve whether you go for that forehand you don't necessarily feel comfortable with and I think that's probably where some of the matches she loses on tour happens because she really needed to mix up that second serve and put more on it because mm. so many of those points were a foregone conclusion she she knew it you, you watched her play yeah. she knew what was going to come but she wasn't able to kind of release the arm she had a few practice shots to see if she could release it but um, she got a bit tight in those moments on that second mm. serve because the pressure that was mounting on her was I mean, yeah. it was very high. And it, it just felt like it was just giving confidence to Garcia. I think, you know, we were watching it and you were saying to me, it was like, got to do more with the first serve here because, it, you know, yes, Garcia's winning the point, but also, yeah, she's just growing and growing um, more in the match and getting back into it after that second set blip. Yeah, and it felt like even if that, uh, that second set had gone kind of um, a different way, whatever um, the case had been, I mean, it would have it would have ended up Obviously, it was three sets. It yeah. would have ended up with a Garcia win because the tactic was there and she wasn't going to change that away. I think she did mm. get a bit tight in the tie break. And this is something I was going to actually ask you about in terms of she played four tie breaks in two matches. 
and she won two of them, which for someone who serves as well as she does and the, as well as she served during the sets, it felt like that first serve was sort of missing today in the tie break. And mm. I think it was more present yesterday. So I was quite surprised that Dart would take a tie break against her. Yeah, it did certainly at times, I feel, go walk about the, the Garcia first serve because it's such a great weapon for her. I, I feel like at times during this tie when we've seen her on the singles court you know the crowd's been really into it they're really getting back into it they're sensing some opportunity but Garcia she's got that first serve and she just literally can just slam the door shut with an ace and you know and and the put you know the point's gone and we have to move on to the next one well we did ask her yesterday about um whether it was sweeter to get the victory after mm. a very tight three-set win. And she said she much preferred to get a 6-3, 6-3. And maybe that is why, because maybe she had she the flight to catch. She wants the flight. She she's has got a the flight, to, flight yeah, to catch. Yeah, exactly. Maybe she's already checked in. But <laughs> I think it was, maybe she doesn't like those close matches. And maybe she does mm. get a little bit tight. And that's why we've seen that in the past when her ranking dropped. Maybe in those moments, the pressure does pile on. And that's what she's become much better at dealing with in the Renaissance, which brings me on to... The fact that straight after your interview, Kim, you had a mad dash, another mad dash to press where you got to ask Caroline about the Renaissance and got her first hand um, <laughs> response to that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what, what she said. Congratulations Thanks. for sealing it for France. Um, I actually just wanted to ask how you're feeling going into the, the clay court season now because we're almost a year on from Roland Garros doubles again and you're kind of a renaissance in your career. So how are you feeling after the Billie Jean King Cup qualifier and going into the clay? Uh, right now, if you ask me, I feel exhausted <laughs> and I'm, I don't really see how the transition is going to happen but it is what it is and you know you know the part of the deal uh, when you come and play for the Billie Jean King Cup and uh, it's hard courts and uh, you, you know you have to play on clay so it's obviously hard but uh, the goal this weekend was to get the, the win and to qualify so I'm super proud of the team and, uh, and everyone and uh, yeah of course I'm really excited about the clay court season it's some great tournaments some big ones and uh, always great atmosphere and leading to Roland Garros, uh, our French uh, slams. It's very special for, for me and for all the French players. Uh, last year, the winning the doubles there meant a lot, uh, on court and off court, I think. And uh, obviously, I'm super excited to go back and play in front of the French crowd. Yes, I was able to mention the renaissance to her, which I was most pleased about. And yeah, obviously, she's looking forward to the clay season, um, bringing back great memories from that win at Roland Garros last year, which really mm. did, you know, start, I think, her, it, didn't it? her climb back up to the, you know, uh, the, the higher echelons of the ranking. So, yeah, it was fantastic that we were able to ask her that. Um, and, you know, I think she's tired from her exploits here, but looking forward yeah. to, to getting out to Stuttgart for the clay um, and I'm sure she'll be making her way to the airport <laughs> sometime soon, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, Chris. wouldn't it be funny if uh, Garcia Raducanu, first round, I don't know if there are buys for, for Garcia in, in, in the main draw, but that would be, I mean, uh, given the context of the tie and what we've been speaking about, that would just, it would just be absolute, um, yeah, it would certainly raise an eyebrow, wouldn't it, if when the, the draw gets announced tomorrow? Who would you be rooting for in that? For Ooh, the story, that's a big if one. Garcia gets it, it might say that maybe Emma should have mm, been here. It's a tricky one. 
I'd love to know what Anki Offervon thinks about that. I was just about to, to <laughs> say that. Yeah, what would Anki Offervon think? Um, but yeah, France are well and truly uh, through um, to the Billie Jean King Cup finals in November. And Britain will have to make uh, their way through a playoff, I guess, in November. They'll be up against someone from the World Group 1. Um, but let's take a very quick break now. We'll be back in the second half to talk about the last rubber that was played, the doubles, uh, and our very exciting interview with the doubles pair, Alicia Barnett and Olivia Nichols. So uh, do not go anywhere. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Tennis Weekly Podcast, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move on to look at the last rubber that was played today, the doubles against uh, France. We had, obviously, Kristina Mladenovic, top-notch doubles player, playing with Clara Burrell for France. And they were up against the British doubles pairing of Olivia Nichols and Alicia Barnett. Um, it, was, it was quite close in the first set. I think the French served for that set, weren't able to get across the line the British girls were able to to clinch it. Uh, but then the French were quite dominant in the second set, weren't they? Went to a Champions tie break. Chris, talk us through um, talk us through the match, but especially that Champions tie break because um, the, the British girls did fantastically well to come back from quite a deficit in that, didn't they? They really did. And I think that's something that the first set showed as well, that they never give up and they really do just want to do the best job for each other because they play week in week out they are best friends when we spoke to them they're inseparable and so I think for them it's like no ball is a lost cause and I felt like that really got them through that first set and when it came to that champions tie break to finish they went eight two down and it looked like all hope was lost but you saw Alicia at the back of the court she was jeering up the crowd she was saying come on even though she did a double fault to go 8-2 down, she was not giving up and she was going to do the best job she could for her country and also for her team. And it was truly inspiring because the way that they came back um, was something that no one would really have thought. 8-2 is not a deficit I've seen um, level out at 9 all before. That was saving match points in that as well um, to get there. And I think it was something that they said afterwards that they really did deserve that as a team because having had so many tie breaks, so many really close matches and players who've been playing much better than their ranking would suggest they could play. Um, finally, they did get a win and I think it was um, really important for the team and morale. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, in relation to that tie, it, I think it, on the outside, yeah, you could look at it like it's a dead rubber. It doesn't mean anything, but you just, 
if you're in that arena, feeling the the atmosphere, atmosphere, and seeing the you know the approach that Barnett and Nichols took to the match, you know the fact that they were down so far in that championship tiebreak at the end and were like not giving up. I think it was just fantastic to see that um, you know that approach and how they were just kind of like, yeah, we're gonna fight for this this rubber. Yes, it might not mean anything, but we need to, you know, we want to kind of inspire the crowd. And I can't think of anything better than to see them just come roaring back against, you know, Christina Madenovic. She's a fantastic, fantastic doubles player. Um, And, you know, that's a really good scalp, I feel, to win. Yes, Madenovic, we would probably have expected her to play with Caroline Garcia. But still, having Burrell on her side as well, it was still a fantastic win for them. It was a fantastic win. And I think there are moments in that match where we just thought Nadanovic is a class mm. above. And she's always been a player. Obviously, her ranking's been as high as top 10. She's made quarterfinals at slams before. Um, she's won, I think, nine uh, doubles Grand Slam titles. But it's Some that, of her pickups were it's incredible. It's Her shot making and her hand skills are incredible. But I guess that's the same thing we talked about where, you know, she's now down in a similar sort of ranking position to sort of the Katie Bolters in that sort of space. And we talked about some of the frustrations that must be there. And I would mm-hmm. kind of beg uh, to ask the same question, Joel, in terms of what do we think it is that kind of has led her to be in this sort of situation where she yeah. should be winning that doubles title. Yeah. She should be winning so many matches and she isn't. Because she's in that, that sort of weird place now where when it comes to her doubles partners at, at, at tournaments, her doubles ranking is really high and it gets her into like those premier events, but she can't necessarily do it on the, on the singles. And, and if she does want to focus on singles, it's almost like, sorry, I can't play those, those top tier events. I'm gonna have to go elsewhere because of my ranking. And it's the, that imbalance is so massive. It's, it's very surprising given the level we've seen from Nadenovic and the, you know, the, the, the kind of results and performances we've seen from her in the past. I mean, we were talking, I always remember her, her performance against Australia away in the Billie Jean King up at the finals um, before this kind of new format, um, you know, a few years ago, she is an unbelievable competitor on her day. I mean, it may have been different if she'd been playing with Garcia today, mm. if it had been a live rubber. I'm, I'm sure, I have a feeling the two of them would have got the yeah. job done. Um, I would have loved to have seen that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, I would have loved to have seen that more, I think, as mm. the live third rubber versus Dart Garcia in the singles. Um, there are times, I think, when you watch Garcia and you think, I've just got to appreciate that these are just two women who are on top of their game at the moment and there were times you know during you know the last couple of days when yeah I was just like that is really good and and as much as I'm a GB fan I really really appreciate you know what you've just done there well I think the the crowd did as well uh, although we've seen most of the crowd were cheering for team GB I think they appreciated just being able to see the likes of Garcia you know top five player just seeing her come to Coventry and, and do her thing as well so it was you know we had a great crowd great atmosphere uh, all weekend and you know Barnett and Nichols did fantastically well to to win to win that and they you know they said afterwards they very much did it for the team because everyone put their heart and soul into the weekend and came so close so mm. it was nice for them to do it for the team but Chris you actually spoke to them ahead of the tie didn't you um you had a, a quick chat with them uh, sort of on, on Thursday I think it was um so let's let's have a listen um to what Olivia and Alicia had to say we have um a few questions about kind of uh life on tour we have a, a question um, that relates to kind of a bit about what's the perfect ingredients for a doubles combination and then we wanted to put you guys to the test on your knowledge 
of each other. Oh. So like that's a bit different. It's fun. Um, yeah. And then we can always give you a very favourable edit if you don't know each other at all. <laughs> if it turns yeah, out, yeah, absolutely strangers. Yeah, we exactly. Twenty four seven with each other. Yeah. Okay. Great. So no pressure. Um, so first of all, we were watching you in Glasgow uh, last year, um, which was obviously an incredible result for you guys. Um, just a quick question on kind of how that success has kind of propelled you on since then and how that's kind of changed your life on tour um, and how that's kind of changed your expectations as to where you might be looking to try and um, set your goals for the year. Um, I think last year was just um, an absolute dream. Mm. We It was a lot of firsts. Like we played first main draw Wimbledon, US Open um, and then Billie Jean King Cup finals in Glasgow on home soil was just the cherry on top. Mm. So it was just a fairy tale year really and I think we got a taste of what it was like to play against like the best in the world and how that we can compete at that level mm. and we can win at that level so it was a big motivation for us and we've worked really hard over Christmas um, and unfortunately we've had a few little niggles here and there um, but we're on the right path we've got a great team around us and we're we just really love like being on tour and we're going to like new places still and there's a lot of first still happening hopefully french open this year so we've got a lot of um goals and dreams that we want to achieve this year and following into the next year as well um on the subject of kind of big wins uh, taking out um, Rebecca in the doubles last year is obviously something that's pretty <coughs> epic. Uh, seeing the way that she's serving this year, do you look back and think, like, we must have really been playing well to handle that one? Yeah, I think at the time we weren't really thinking too much about who was at the other end or anything like that. We were just extremely happy to be part of the team and get that opportunity. Um, but yeah, now you say that and looking at the kind of starts of the year she's had and how she's been playing, I guess when you reflect it, it shows like what a really good win that was. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And um, you were talking about kind of life on the tour, so you're kind of blending a bit of the WTA events with some ITF events. Um, and there were some kind of recent comments from, I think it was Denis Shapovalov, who was talking about the fact that there is this sort of like difference between uh, how some of the ITF events run and how some of the, um, the Challenger Tour events run from the men's to the women's side of things. Um, do you think that's something that you've noticed kind of now you're playing more around the world or is that something that um, you wouldn't know that much in terms of the difference it would be? Uh, I think for Liv and I, we, like I said, a lot of it is first experiences so mm. we're still learning everything and kind of um, settling. Like last week we were in Charleston and it was an incredible tournament um, and you just felt like it was a different world. Yeah. Almost like everyone was looking after you and so friendly and and then you come to certain like ITFs and it's um, you do everything for yourself and it's figuring out how to get from the airport to the club and it's all a little bit more of a I mean a grind, like that's where we've come from and we understand how like lucky we are, like and where the hard work we've put in is finally paying off and you get looked after. But um to be honest, like we try not to take anything for granted and we just kind of shout to tournaments and you figure out, it's all the same, like figure out when you want to practice, where the practice courts are, where the changing room is. Yeah. What, yeah, so in that sense, it's all the same. So we try not to like take anything for granted because um, we've obviously 
come from ITFs and all the way up to WTAs and Grand Slams. And yeah, there's definitely a notable difference between all of them. How was it playing Charleston last week? Because that has a reputation as being one of the nicest tournaments to play and the players love it. Yeah, I think, to be honest, it's probably the nicest tournament I have ever played other than the Grand Slams. Yeah. yeah, they put on an amazing players' party um, at the Riviera, which was right next to the Charleston mm-hmm. Place Hotel, where we where all the players stayed. Um, the city is a really nice place, um, and the tournament, you know, the the provisions that they they have for the players, the people. Um, yeah, I literally couldn't fault it. I I really really enjoyed that week, and I hope that we can go. Yeah, we didn't go really back next, <laughs> next year. It was so nice and sunny as well. Not quite as sunny in Coventry, no. no. Um, I was going to ask you, so on uh, the topic of kind of um, kind of getting yourself to events and kind of have been kind of, kind of on the grassroots side of things in that sense, you, you both paid for universities um, but on the different sides of the pond, I believe. Mm-hmm. So um, in terms of that experience and kind of joining the tour a bit later, um, just a few words and kind of how you think that's helped you kind of burst off the tour and make such an impact in the way that you have. Do you want to go first? Um, I think, yeah, so we we both took different pathways. I kind of went with the British University route and Lissy went with the American College route and we've kind of ended up at the same place at the same time, which was really nice because we got to kind of start the journey out. I think I saw something on Instagram today that was seven years ago that we played together for the British University team. Wow. And, and now we're here playing for, you know, the Great Britain team, yeah. the Billie Jean King yeah. Cup. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was two, two different pathways, but both that um, stood us in good stead for, for the main tour. Um, I felt like at my time at Loughborough University, I improved a huge amount in that time. I had um, great facilities, great support staff, a really good coach in Tom Kiesel, who mm-hmm. I still work with now. And um, yeah, that really helped me progress as a person and a player. And then by the time I graduated, I felt like I was more than ready to get started and, and give the main tour a go. Yeah, same for me. I mean, um, I from the age of from a quite young age I wanted to go to the States and um, my dad and my mum like really wanted that for me as well they, they said tennis will be there afterwards like just it's really important to get an education and that mm-hmm. was important for them and for me um, so I was really lucky to get a place at Northwestern and play four years there um, but for me I think it was more about kind of gaining confidence like before I went to university I was too nervous to ask other girls to warm up before a tournament um whereas you go to America across the pond and you're thrown in the deep end I didn't know anyone and so I had to be more confident and then I got used to being more independent and you just learn a lot more in like life and you Mm. have a lot more life experiences so when I came out of university I felt like I was ready to kind of take on the world in some sense so it was just kind of like growing up I needed to grow up yeah. and I needed time on court like Liv and I we didn't have maybe like the academy structure mm-hmm. um, as junior tennis so we were playing on our local courts outside in the snow sometimes I'm sure so yeah it was just a very different structure so yeah. I think I don't know yeah. it's a more rounded yeah, we're tennis really experience lucky and I, I wouldn't yeah. change anything like yeah. I've got we've gone through a lot and had like very different experiences but we've lived a lot of life and that's really now seven years important. later here we are exactly yeah. um on so fun little quiz so we'll give you a question each but I'd love to hear both of your answers so you're answering for each other 
So it would be, who is Alicia's favourite player to watch? <laughs> you can't no, say yourself. <laughs> Any? Uh, I, I mean, it's a little bit controversial as she's on the opposing team here this week, but she, uh, she's a big <laughs> fan of Caro Garcia, actually. Really? Yeah. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah bang yeah. on. Um, well, that's a correct answer. Um, <laughs> uh, so then, on the other side of this, then, let's ask Alicia, so you're... Who would Olivia's dream doubles partner be who could be active or retired? If it's oh. not yourself, obviously. But... Yeah, obviously myself. Yes. Um, I think Andy Murray, probably. Um, she loves him. I mean, he's an absolute legend. And we all do, right, so, this year. I yeah. watched his match in Australia against Berrettini and then saw him the next day in the gym and I was like, sorry to fangirl you, but can you sign my ticket from the match last <laughs> night? He was like, yeah, of course I can. That's, that's epic. Yeah. I think every single player... Is just saying how much they're loving watching his oh, matches. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's just amazing. He's so entertaining and he's just like. And he's got a metal hip. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's wild. You can't wrap your head it's around nice it. Um, and then karaoke song. So, what's Alicia's karaoke song? Wow. Was there too long a list? There's too long a list. So, what won't she, she sing now? She's singing, <laughs> but I love singing. One <laughs> for <laughs> probably a three track playlist. <laughs> yeah, okay, so it's a set list. Oh, I just I tend to overplay songs a lot, and she's like, "Oh, this one again." <laughs> Not yeah, I actually can't. Oh, I'm really sorry, off the top of my head, I can't think of what your karaoke song would be. I can't um, even think of what my own karaoke. I think song mine would be. probably be Angels. Yeah, it's a classic. It's a classic. Yeah. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah. And then final question would be: Are you planning on playing mixed doubles at Wimbledon this year? Yeah, Is that something you're thinking about? We are hiding into any DMs or? <laughs> um, we would. I mean, obviously, women is amazing, so we want to be there as long as possible. Yeah. Um, but obviously, like you we're still. Murray. <laughs> yeah, you never know. True. Uh, slide into his DMs, but um, we obviously have to like focus on um, propelling our ranking, and we have goals for next year, like um, maybe even the Olympics. Mm-hmm. You never know. So um, we have to be really realistic of what because there's tournaments on the second week. So if we want to play the mixed and that's ideal but we're going to have to see close to the time with where our rankings are mm-hmm. at and if we're being really boring sorry <laughs> no all good all good thank you yeah. so much thanks for time and good luck in the tie thank, thank you thank Cheers. you i can totally relate to the fangirling going on for andy murray and getting a signed ticket I'm not going to lie. Uh, Chris, you were a little surprised. I have got Andy Murray as my wallpaper. I'm a big Murray fan, as many of our listeners probably know. So, uh, yeah, I really liked that sort of fan human insight that gave me that sort of realisation or that sort of appreciation that, yes, these are top performing pros uh, in their profession, but at at heart, they're also fans as well. I think we are all Olivia on that this year. Even the players are, as we talked about. But Joel, my only question about your phone background is that it's not a Wimbledon trophy he's holding No, up. I know. It's it's specifically the uh, US Open 2012 because it is the it is the first Grand Slam he won. It is the Grand Slam uh, I was there for in, in the crowd uh, a few rows from the front against Novak Djokovic. So it's specifically that one. Yes, his hair looks a bit different um, or decade plus on. But um, yeah, that's that's why I have that. And uh, yeah, you actually, you told me, was it Daniela Hantakova Coasters, is it? Um, I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, <laughs> I can I can confirm I do have the a set. The fangirling is real. Yeah, I do have a set of four Dan- Daniela Hatchikova coasters. <laughs> She's wearing an outfit from the Australian Open. It's not the year that yeah. she took out Serena, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, it's from a different year. 
Uh, I will just defend myself slightly and say they were a gift. But the fact that uh, that was a gift purchased for me Kim, also Kim, how much do to... you believe that they were a gift? I think that's exactly the sort of thing you could maybe make up on like Etsy uh, <laughs> for someone who you know to be a massive fan of someone. And I think that's a great gift, given that she was obviously your hero when she was back playing. And I guess you're still a big fan. She's still punditing and, you know, commentating and all that. Uh, but yeah, I wonder if our listeners have any stories of similar mm. gifts yeah. they've received yeah. with tennis players faces on yeah. i'd love to i'd love to hear <laughs> i do have a raf nadal coaster at home as well oh. so I'm, oh I'm getting the, the coaster, coaster jack the coaster vibe left out it here. took a very long time for kim to admit to having a raffa coaster there <laughs> i was alone for a while i felt but i feel like listeners would expect me to have a raffa coaster would they not anyway um yeah we've uh, coasters aside um we've had a fantastic time here in coventry Despite GB losing, it's been some fantastic tennis. Um, you know, the, the girls have done really well. I think there's definitely positives that they can mm. take away from from the tie, and we look forward to finding out where the tie mm. um, will be. The playoff will be in, in November against whom, and where will the finals Radic- will, will be Radicani as well. Play it. I think that's the mm. the biggest question coming, uh, you know, out of this. As as much, I mean, well, I guess it's a question to you both. Do you feel like Radicani would add? to this team given the level that you know they've shown against a very very game uh, French squad I mean Raducanu's level is undeniable mm. her quality is undeniable uh, watched it at the US Open I, I will never tire of talking about it because it was so impressive so I think she is someone who would benefit from it as mm. well as the team benefit from it I think actually Raducanu would benefit more than the team would because... it feels like the event would benefit let's be honest because if Raducanu plays it feels like it would be in a bigger stadium than necessarily without Raducanu. Yeah, and I do think that if I'm being a little bit on the harsh side to the to the team that was fielded, you have to pick players that put this together on, on the tour on a weekly basis. And I think that Burridge and Raducanu are players who do do that on a weekly basis this year and, and last year, kind mm. of despite injury or what's going on there. So I would love mm. to see Jodie Burridge has more than earned her position in the playoffs. And if she, it shouldn't be if she's selected, she should be selected. But whether she'd like to play or not, having been excluded for a couple of times, I think that would be of interest to me. But I would like us to feel our strongest team with Olivia and Alicia as our doubles partnership um, and just see see where we go. Because I think at the moment we're in an unknown as to what our strongest team would be. But we have put in great showings nevertheless. And I mean, just before we end, what I did love... Just from that, just going back to that Barnett and Nichols interview, we did talk about, well, Chris, you did talk about karaoke. And I'm not going to lie, we may we may be going and doing a little bit of celebrating later in Coventry. There may or may not be karaoke involved, but Barnett's favourite karaoke song, Robbie Williams' Angels. Are you guys down with that or are you looking for something a little bit different? No, that's a classic. I think that's an absolute <laughs> tune. I'm, I'm down with that. That's, that's a little bit more of you, Joel, than I think it might be of me based on your playlist whilst you've been editing the podcast this weekend. Hey, what? I'm 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 all about the Elton, Elton John. Elton John, yes. I mean, listeners, <laughs> I was at Elton John on Thursday night. That was I, I wasn't able to join Chris uh, on Media Day because, yeah, I did have tickets uh, that for like five years genuinely in the waiting uh, in London um, for Elton John. So maybe I'll bring out some Rocket Man this evening. Have you got Elton John coasters at oh, home? Oh, I don't. I should be getting some Elton John shades, I feel, more would be maybe more appropriate. <laughs> light, light up shades. Well, let's see how we get on 
one in Coventry. Maybe we'll find somewhere that does a nice classy Hugo for you to try, oh, Joel. Oh, here we go. Leave here the woo-woos aside oh. and get the Hugos out. Um, but yeah, I hope everyone's enjoyed all our coverage from the Billie Jean King Cup uh, <laughs> qualifier in Coventry. We will be back on Monday for our regular tour catch-up. So um, don't worry, we haven't forgotten Monte Carlo. <laughs> There's plenty going I, on on the French I Riviera. I definitely haven't forgotten Monte Carlo because in our last catch-up, I did say Sinner Rublev final, and it is very much looking like that at the moment. We'll have to see, Joel. It's, <laughs> it's not done yet. It's not oh, over till it's over. Okay, okay. I'm hoping it does because I'm definitely well, thinking about putting a little voice recording in there. So uh, just to let you guys know. But yes, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our live coverage of the Billie Jean King Cup in Coventry. Remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action to come from the ATP and WTA tours. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Tennis Weekly Pod. Or you can email us at tennisweeklypod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website, tennisweekly.co.uk. And we will be back on Monday from Tennis Weekly HQ with a tour catch up. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,